We would like to say a special thank you to Joe and Kim Herdina for sponsoring this week's episode. That's just like makes no sense. I mean, yeah, he's the he's the he. Right now, we go no that we would do that for Jesus. No, you wouldn't, because if you did, then guess what? Tomorrow, all your money that you have in savings is going into the church offering. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. You've heard this passage. Martha is running around hosting dinner, and Mary is present at Jesus' feet. Their dichotomy is important, and as you'll hear Dr. Chris Krogan teach us this week, it's Mary's reaction that we should pay attention to. We hear how Mary's reaction is illustrating what it's like to experience the mercy and new life of Jesus Christ. It's what happens when you receive a word of forgiveness, and you've witnessed the new life that comes from God's resurrection. Then, we dive into the details surrounding Mary pouring out this expensive perfume, including Judas as a demonic presence in this passage, how we'll always have the poor with us, and a breakdown of what Lutherans mean by law and gospel. There's a lot to get into in this week's passage, but first, here's John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. And now, on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Dr. Chris Krogan with us this week. Thanks for being here, Dr. Krogan. Good to be back. So we're in John 12 this week, Dr. Krogan, right mm-hmm. after, I guess I, I was going to ask a context question, but I'm already saying it. It's right after the resurrection of Lazarus, Yes. but it's introduced by the six days before the Passover. Maybe we can have uh, just a word or two, uh, why John introduces it in this way, or what's the Passover? Yep. And and we'll talk about the Passover, but also in that context of right after Lazarus, because what is happening now is we often hear in the lectionary the raising of Lazarus, but we don't hear the verses right after that, which is when the Pharisees and the scribes start getting upset because they recognize Jesus is going to get some popularity and traction. 
And so they now have to plot to kill him because they're afraid of the kind of disruption he's going to do in the Roman Empire to them, which will really put their existence into question. And so there's something going on here. We can't let Jesus get further traction in the community. So they now have Jesus showing up six days before the Passover, and he's going into a situation that, okay, now let's put him on trial again. But what happens here now, the Passover, this is a really fascinating thing about John. The first 10 chapters of John, or first 11 chapters of John, I should say, um, are leading up to this point. And now the rest of John, the next 10 chapters, are focused on one week in Jesus' life. Hmm. So the, basically the first half of John is giving his whole ministry <coughs> and all the signs and everything. Now we're going to spend a week on, I mean, excuse me, uh, half of the book on Passion Week. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a very interesting thing to show you how much John is focused on this, where, where it all things sit. So this is six days before the Passover. And, uh, and so that's kind of the context here. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, there, uh, so he's at the, uh, he's came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus. Uh, and again, John has to mention whom he raised from the dead, whom mm-hmm. he had raised from the dead. Uh, there they gave a dinner for him. Uh, Martha served, and again, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's probably a dinner breaking the Sabbath fast. And uh, then, yeah, it's a nice little thing. Martha, which, you know, the story of Mary and Martha. Martha's running around and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. So they've got these two sisters that are kind of in juxtaposition to one another. Martha's always busy, good at the law, you know, being good for the neighbor. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is Lazarus was one of those at the table with him in case anybody was wondering whether it was really that he was raised. Yep, he's there for dinner, ready to eat, you know, which is... A, like, you know, like the ultimate prove it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm here right. for dinner. I'm here for dinner, so I've got hunger and watch food go down, which is an interesting thing because, again, Jesus eats fish. So mm. there's something about this that, you know, dead people eating shows they're not dead anymore, yeah, right? Yeah, And so there's something about that. When does Jesus eat fish? At the end of the resurrection. John, in the resurrection. In the oh, resurrection, wow. he's on the, and they, he grabs a piece of fish and eats it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, dead man can't eat. <laughs> so <laughs> Lazarus is eating. So there's something yeah. going on there. That's one of the proofs in the pudding, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Can I just back up? I want to ask a quick um, clarification question about something you mentioned a minute ago. Um how you said that they know Jesus is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Do they, I mean, they'd have no way of knowing that he's as dangerous as he actually is. Right. Is it just from the miracles that he's done or how, how do they actually, how are they like, Oh, we need to be afraid of this guy. Cause it's not like he's doing anything horrible. He's just showing the gospel rather than the law. He's an influencer. <laughs> you could say it that oh, way. Geez. No, he's an influencer and he's got crowds gathered around him. he has him. the highest social media account. Exactly. He's trending and <laughs> his trending is going to upset the Roman authorities. And so that's what is that people are starting to follow him and they think, you know, so, which he's also not following in line with the Pharisees and the, the people that are in power. Okay. And so they can't keep him in check. So he's outside of the normal... Uh, power structure and stuff like that. And the Roman authorities are going to start to say, wait a second, he's calling himself God and they're not putting him down. So it really could be a major social disruption on a number of levels. Okay. Plus it it proves that they're wrong. Yeah, that's part of it. And it's a really interesting 
dynamic between politics and religion. I mean, he's yeah. he's hitting it the Roman Empire and the Pharisees at this intersection of culture and yep. culture that politics. That was really and, insightful, Mason. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's the perfect influencer. He's he hitting is. it exactly where he needs to. Exactly. Yep. So then we get to verse three and Mary is now taking center focus. And now Mary's a really interesting role um, that she's going to do. She's going to take this perfume, but Mary's role here is illustrating the fruit of experiencing the mercy and new life of Christ. So this is exactly what's happening here is Mary is demonstrating what happens when you receive a word of forgiveness and you witness new life that comes from God in the resurrection, which is what she saw Lazarus raised. Now, why would we say Mary receiving a word of forgiveness? Prior in chapter 11, Mary put Jesus on trial because she's like, why didn't you get here before Lazarus died? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. That was her. Yeah. And well, Martha too, you know, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So they both put Jesus on trial. Now the response to Lazarus's resurrection is, and is a word of mercy. Jesus isn't saying, well, you didn't treat me well, so I'm not going to give you new life. But Mary is recognizing this guy is mercy. And so what comes out of her is fruit. Whereas Martha, there's an interesting thing. She's just still busy in the law. So her response to this word is, I got to still be serving my neighbor, loving my neighbor as myself. I got to be out there making sure everybody likes me. I mean, it's a whole different thing. Whereas Mary has a sense of freedom that is really crazy and radical, which is what this story is starting to illustrate. And we'll get into this, but... That di dynamic between Martha and Mary is really important. And Mar it's important to note that Mary is a depiction of what happens when you experience mercy from yes. Christ. Yep. Not a prescription of how you're supposed to act. Because right. it could be taken that way too, that Martha's serving her neighbor, serving dinner, mm -hmm. and Mary is you know, pouring out this really expensive perfume. And so to the you know, the unpreached ear to the untrained ear, you can read that and say, okay, well, I'm supposed to like live my life like Mary and mm -hmm. pour everything out on, on Jesus's feet. Exactly. And Luther has a nice little thing when he's using, when he is in his preface to the Romans, he's defining the word faith. And he says, faith, oh, it's a busy thing. In fact, it can't sit still and it does amazing work it is doing works. And this is exactly what's happening to Mary now. She has faith. Now, what's interesting is her faith is what is Judas is going to say is not in line with the law. Mm -hmm. And that's the big thing is she's not being obedient to the law. Mm -mm. Her faith is actually in response to the promise. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big thing. It's not, she doesn't feel commanded. She's not worried about being guilty. Apart from the law, she is now literally giving it all to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Luther, I, Luther continues too. He says something along the lines that, uh, and you can correct me, Dr. Krogan, yeah. uh, faith uh, does uh, everything before it's asked. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This <laughs> is in the Heidelberg Disputation. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. yeah that was in the preface. He says something along the lines in the preface. like Yeah. That. But also, you know, um, the law says do this and it's never done. 
Grace says, believe in this and everything's already been done. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the, that same, the, a good tree bears good fruit. This is what we're going to mm-hmm. get at here. Yeah. So just, to just zoom out though, because yep. we've referenced the law quite a bit right there of yep. what you're supposed to do. Yep. And we'll get there, but Judas is going to outline what you're supposed to do. And that's going to be, you're supposed to sell the perfume for money. Right. Right. Yep. So that's what we're referencing here when we're talking about the law, just for the listeners who are... What does my neighbor need Mm -hmm. is essentially what the law is saying. Mm -hmm. What would be good for the neighbor? What would be good for society? What would be the best way to go about this so that people are um, Mm -hmm. served well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it it continues. Uh, The house was filled with the fragrance of the the perfume. So it's, it's large. Yep. I mean, yeah, filled the whole house, man. <laughs> filled the whole house. It's not a like candle. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a candle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Made it, it, of pure nard. Which, yeah. which, which, is, which shows you how irrational it is. Yeah. Because why would you even want a house filled with fragrance like that? Well, it just shows you, I mean, so like, uh, you know, um, my roommate um, in college used to wear Stetson and you'd walk into yeah. the room. Nice. It was bad. What's you, that? You walk into the, the our dorm room. It's a horrible perfume. It's a terrible. Like it's a terrible cologne, hmm. and it just would overwhelm you. It almost get to the back of your throat. But he would walk down the hallway, and 15 minutes later, you could be walking down the hallway. And knew he just walked down the hallway. That's the kind of like overwhelming amount of odor here. And and we always used to say, "You're ridiculous. Why do you have to put so much on?" But it's this overdoing it. Yeah. So so that's what this. The whole house is filled with. So again. She's not calculating. No. She's not rationing. Hmm. She's not, you know, it's just, you know. She's just doing. She's just doing over abundantly. I mean, they talk about abundant life. Well, this is abundant gratitude. This is like not even thinking thinking it out loud. So was this a tradition to do in the house? Like why did she take... This perfume, she anointed Jesus's feet and wiped them with her hair, which, why can't you just find a cloth or something? But, so, is this something that they're supposed to do? What, why did she do this? What's the significance here? Part of this is the symbolic preparation for his death, right? He's going to, this is one of those things that you would embalm, or not embalm, that's the wrong word, but you would prepare the a, a, for burial the body with these oh, kind of okay. things to work on stuff. Um, so that's part of what's going on, which is why Jesus is referencing it later on. It bought so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. So it's it's one of those things, It's and which is an interesting part of this. This is the start of moving toward the cross, right? Mm-hmm. So this is part of the symbolism. Jesus is going to die. Um, they're going to get ready to kill him. And so that's part of what's going on there. But it's also just like this extreme, you do this for the people that you totally care about, mm-hmm. totally love. So uh, verse four is a sort of uh, puts this text on a new path where it's kind of a twist on the text, yep. the turn, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Mm-hmm. So he uh, accuses Mary. That seems yeah. like a, you know, it's like, oh, he's trying to help the poor. Yeah, <laughs> I, right. I, just, I, just, I just did some quick uh, back of the napkin internet math and yep. 300 denarii is about 1,500 bucks. Yep. What? Today. Yeah. That's so nice it's a pretty change. expensive perfume. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yep. Oh my goodness, no. Right. So 
the first thing is let's just talk about Judas because he's actually playing a significant role here um, in his question, but he's playing the role that was given to him. And we see what was that role? Well, John 6, verse 71, Jesus identifies Judas as a devil, as demonic. He's a devil, which is a fascinating thing because um, in context here, this is why Judas now starts putting Mary on trial. That's mm-hmm. the devil's job. Mm-hmm. Is why would you do this? Right? Is to start accusing you. You're being being very bad at the law here, Mary. Mm-hmm. And so this is the devil of attacking Mary's faith, because Mary was like, "Look, he raised my brother from the dead. He's forgiven my sin. What more? I mean, boom. No, 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 no." This is not righteous. This is not ethical. This is not good for other people. And so this is the devil's work is to put a faith on trial, put a gift both that God gives, but also a gift that we give thanks for on trial. And so this is a very important part. I want to, I feel like we should keep talking about him, but I want to read verse six here real quickly so that we have the full context of kind of the deceit here. Mm-hmm. So it said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Mm-hmm. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Mm-hmm. So, and I know you had mentioned this a little briefly before we started podcasting, but I feel like our eyes keep getting opened to the corrupt nature of the disciples Mm-hmm. Even though they're the disciples, mm-hmm. you know, you especially for people who haven't listened to our podcast. Yeah, once you've listened to the podcast a few times, you're like, oh yeah, the disciples aren't <laughs> they're necessarily terrible people. better than anybody else, right? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yep. Like I could do the job better, yeah. sort of thing. But it, I mean, it's full on thievery here. Yeah. Yep. So this, yes, exactly. So right. So verse five: Why was the perfume not sold? And so what is Again, go back to the devil, and the devil is the one who says, do ethics in the garden. Know the difference between good and evil by taking this piece of fruit, right? What is the tree you're not supposed to eat from? The knowledge of good and evil that is the tree of ethics. What does the devil say? He brings ethics into the picture after a promise was received by Mary. Mm -hmm. So the promise that is the new life, the gift of Forgiveness and new life. And then, nope, no, nope, don't keep your eye on the tree of life. Look at the ethics. So Quite, that's how you know it's the demonic. question, what should you do? Right, yeah. And, and so take your uh, ears off of Christ's forgiveness and resurrection and look at what is not. So this is how then shall we live after you've heard a sermon, right? It's the same thing. Here, your sins are forgiven, and then somebody says, but then how then shall we live? So it's turning it from religion to philosophy. It's turning it from a gospel back into the law. Okay. And making the law your righteousness now, which is exactly what's going on. So then back to your point on on verse 6, Kiri, which is very important. He said this not because he cared about the poor, right? So this is a really interesting thing. People who do ethics and make their topic or their righteousness or even the church about whether or not we're being ethical. Mm -hmm. They're not doing it because they actually care about the poor. They're doing it because they think that they're righteous in the law. That is a 
think that they are going to benefit from this. Now, they might not benefit from it material, but those say, see, look at, you can't blame me. Mm-hmm. Look at, and so it really is, this is what's going on. You can see that the John is saying he did this not because he was really good at ethics or really cared about the poor, but he did it because he was self-serving. That's what all ethics is. Mm-hmm. All ethics is actually selfishness. And so that's the key. How then should we live is ultimately self-serving. Yes. Because once you're given the answer, you can say, you can't blame me. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, it's not my decision. It's just how we should live. Yeah, this is the way I go. And so no longer am I to be put on trial. I am now righteous in what I did, as opposed to having to say this to Christ, Lord, have mercy, which is a big difference. Mm-hmm. Lord, have mercy is being humbled. Can't blame me is, see? Righteous. Hmm? On, on, claim on, of righteousness. Claim of righteousness on my own accord. Hmm. And so that's really what's going on there in, in ethics. Because both, both of them are kind of claiming it's not up to you a little bit. Yep. But just in 180 degree different ways. Yep. The Lord have mercy is literally saying, Lord, this is in your hands. You decide what you want me to do. Like it is completely out of my control. I trust you. Deal with me. Deal, yeah. This is basically saying you're going to have to deal with this. Okay. And, and it, it is, by the way what God's name is, which is mercy. God's name is promise. God's name is giver. Mm-hmm. What, how then shall we live makes God into a demander, into a law, into a command, which is why this whole story is, it's outside of the law. It's irrational for Mary to come in and drop $15,000 on Jesus's head. Makes no sense. I mean, yeah, he's the, he's the he, right now we go, no, that we would do that for Jesus. No, you wouldn't. Because if you did, then guess what? Tomorrow, all your money that you have in savings is going into the church offering. (laughs) If you actually thought that I would drop $15,000 on Jesus' head, well, then pony up, you know, put it in the church's pots, right? None of us are going to do that. But that's what Mary essentially did, was took everything and dropped it into the offering Mm -hmm. plate. And that's that's why it's not a a prescription of how to live, because it's just... You won't do it. No. It just it's a, it proves that it's beyond it's what you're out capable of. of. So let me play devil's advocate. Ooh, Jesus advocate. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, what's the church then to do when uh, the poor? How 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 are we as uh, like lay members or of the church uh, able to understand what we're doing when we're uh, giving to the poor? Because or we're working at the banquet or we're doing these things that yeah. naturally occur within the life of the church. They naturally occur insofar as um, we're freed to stop listening to our own self-interest through the gospel, right? Yeah. But if you start calculating that this is what we need to do or must do, then you're no longer out of the self-interest. Yeah. You're trying to figure out is the right thing to do. So the way we talk about this is you have two ears. One ear is for the gospel. You hear Christ saying, sins are forgiven. Second year is your neighbor saying, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're going to the soup kitchen and because your neighbor needed it because they said so, or you might actually be going, you know, maybe you are one of these people that signs up to go fight in Ukraine because you heard your neighbor's call, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and people are like, that's irrational. Well, 
but my neighbor needs it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying it's a right or wrong thing. Yeah. But these are the kind of decisions that you end up making every day. Maybe you don't go down to the soup kitchen because you've got three kids to feed. So you're going to go in and work at your job. Okay, well, that's that's the way it is. That's mm-hmm. your neighbor calling. That's what, what our vocations are. So that's what is apart from the law. You end up doing this stuff, which is why Luther says you sin and sin boldly in these matters. You don't claim that you, how then shall I live? And you've got it right. Mm-hmm. You don't step into the voting booth saying, oh, look, I figured it out. You actually sin when you yeah. press the button. Because this isn't, because you could also go the opposite way and you'd be making the same mistake. That is, you could never give anything to the poor and say, this is where my righteousness is. Because exactly. I'm just like Mary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's just going the opposite way. You're still trying to find your your righteousness in the law. Yeah. If you did said, I'm going to dedicate my life to the church and uh, become one of the poor even. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that I'm going to, you're going to be a, a monk or a nun and give up all worldly possessions and pour all my money into the church's offering plate and hold no possessions for myself. Well, that's exactly the same thing. It's just the other side of the coin. But it is interesting because he's uh, he has, uh, Judas has what we would say is a pretty noble endeavor, give yeah. money to the poor. I mean, plus he's a disciple. <laughs> plus he's a disciple. Yeah. And uh, Check. Check. Uh, John has a sort of, edit- he editorializes or yeah. he just sees or knows somehow. Yep. Uh, but Christ's words are pretty firm, leave her alone. Yes. Yeah. Which, is, which is another way he says this in other places. And he says it to Peter. Yeah. Get behind me, Satan. Yep. Because what it is, yeah, it's attacking faith in Christ. Yeah. It's attacking faith in his word. And so that's why leave her alone. It's not, it's not said in a, hey, hey, just give her a break. No, no. Get the hell out of here. Literally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's well, Christ fighting. I mean, it's, it's Christ fighting for Mary. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's yeah. Christ fighting Satan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is again. This is this is a this is the demonic <laughs> that's walked in, and he's like, "Shut up, um, be still," and uh, and then he says, "You don't understand. She knows where what's happening. She's actually has faith, and so he." Which is another thing that um, is a great story. That if you are um, watching somebody be tormented in their conscience about um, social justice issues and they're worried, how do I do this right? Um, you can say, this is actually the devil playing in your head mm-hmm. on whether you should or shouldn't do this, whether your righteousness is going to be on that tree of knowledge of good and evil ethics. And so then, then Christ is going to come and defend you because you are baptized, which means he has forgiven you and promises you the resurrection. And out of it is going to flow these fruits that is to say, you are literally going to give all of your stuff for the sake of the proclamation so others might hear. And so Jesus is going to defend you in this. He's going to say to the other people that are going to criticize you for acting outside the law or irrationally in this old world. And he's going to say, leave him or leave her alone. They're mine. You can't, you can't touch them. So when he continues on, when he says, leave her alone, she bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Is that what he's saying? Yep. When he says, but you do not always have me. Right. Is is so in your, in your conscience. Yeah. You're always going to have in this world on this side of the grave, the world saying you should do better, right? You need to serve us. And you always will have the poor with you, which is, again, one of the uh, one of the telltale signs that the devil's active, 
and actually getting a foothold in somebody's conscience is when somebody comes and says, we're going to eradicate poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is this literally is anti what Christ says. Mm-hmm. Did you hear what I just said? It's the anti-Christ to make it your goal to eliminate poverty. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, you're always going to have the poor with you. You're not going to do this. Your attempts to eliminate poverty is actually working against what Christ has said. Mm-hmm. So that's really important because why, why is that anti-Christ? Because it's the ethics, which is you trying to be righteous in the law. We're going to solve this issue. So that's one thing. It doesn't mean you don't serve the poor. Okay, We're not saying that you aren't worried about the poor, mm-hmm. but you don't try to eradicate poverty. Then he goes on to say, you do not always have me. That is to say, you the, the world is going to do its best to rip Christ's promise out of your ear. And so um, Jesus now on this point into the flesh, he's not, always, he's not going to be there to literally be incarnate, giving the promise. So now it's going to come through other sermons and, and through the sacraments and stuff. But you're always going to have the old world nipping at your heels. Not every day or every moment in time will Christ be put in your ear. So while I'm here to be put in your ear, get the ethics out of here, which is a key thing for us now in our Christian communities is to recognize that when we get into these social debates and these social structure issues, left or right, I don't care which part of the spectrum, it literally is absenting Christ. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what is the problem in the church. And by the way, Judas is part of the 12 disciples. The demonic is in the community, right? The 12 disciples. Look at mm-hmm. you got mm-hmm. the devil right there in the first 12. Mm-hmm. He is also in our institutional mm-hmm. church too, coming in and raising these big social banners and saying, vote this way or vote that way. Make it a moral issue or make it a justice issue or something like that, which is exactly, you will always have the poor with you. Just saying, you're going to always have ethics. The church is actually about actually having Christ here present, forgiving sin, promising resurrection, moving us forward in that community as opposed to how then shall we live. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan for teaching us about the different ways Martha and Mary reacted to Jesus's promise. Mary recognizes that Jesus's name is mercy. Martha is still stuck in the law. Serve my neighbor, loving my neighbor as myself. Mary, like we do today, has radical freedom in Jesus Christ. If you've ever found yourself wondering about a certain term or concept we discussed on Scripture First, we have dozens and dozens of free resources on our website to help you learn about Lutheranism and the freeing gospel of Jesus Christ saving us from our sins. We have videos and study guides from everything from the distinction between the law and the gospel to the meaning of baptism to breaking down Luther's key teachings such as the bound will and the freedom of a Christian. Go to lutherhouseofstudy.org to learn more. Luther House of Study's mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sstenson at augie.edu. That's S-S-T-E-N-S-O-N at A-U-G-I-E dot E-D-U. You can find her email in the show notes, 
or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, Jesus' name is Mercy. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.